Hello, and welcome to The Journey, a daily podcast reading through the Bible. Thank you so much for joining us today. As you listen, we're going to be using the New Living Translation of God's Word. Let's start today's reading. Today we are reading the book of Esther, starting with chapters 1 through 5. These events happened in the days of King Xerxes, who reigned over 127 provinces stretching from India to Ethiopia. At that time, Xerxes ruled his empire from his royal throne at the fortress of Susa. In the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all of his nobles and officials. He invited all the military officers of Persia and Media, as well as the princes and nobles of the provinces. The celebration lasted 180 days, a tremendous display of the opulent wealth of his empire and the pomp and, and splendor of his majesty. When it was all over, the king gave a banquet for all the people, from the greatest to the least, who were in the fortress of Susa. It lasted for seven days, and it was held in the courtyard of the palace garden. The courtyard was beautifully decorated with white cotton curtains and blue hangings, which were fastened with white linen cords and purple ribbons to silver rings embedded in marble pillars. Gold and silver couches stood on a mosaic pavement of porphyry and marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. Drinks were served in gold goblets of many designs, and there was an abundance of royal wine reflecting the king's generosity. By edict of the king, no limits were placed on the drinking, for the king had instructed all of the palace officials to serve each man as much as he wanted. At the same time, Queen Vashti gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. On the seventh day of the feast, when King Xerxes was in high spirits because of the wine, he told the seven eunuchs who attended him, Minham, Biztha, Harbona, Bigtha, Agbetha, Zether, and Carcass, to bring Queen Vashti to him with the royal crown on her head. He wanted the nobles and all the other men to gaze on her beauty, for she was a very beautiful woman. But when they conveyed the king's order to Queen Vashti, she refused to come. This made the king furious, and he burned with anger. He immediately consulted with the wise advisors who knew all the Persian laws and customs, for he always asked their advice. The names of these men were Karshina, Shether, Admetha, Tarshish, Miris, Marshina, and Merikamem. Seven nobles of Persia and Media, they met with the king regularly and held the highest positions of the empire. What must be done to Queen Vashti, the king demanded. What penalty does the law provide for a queen who refuses to obey the king's orders properly sent through the eunuchs? Minakam answered the king and his nobles, Queen Vashti has wronged not only the king, but every other noble and citizen throughout your empire. Women everywhere will begin to despise their husbands when they learn that Queen Vashti has refused to appear before the king. Before this day is out, the wives of all the no king's nobles throughout Persia and Media will hear what the queen did and will start treating their husbands the same way. There will be no end to their contempt and anger. 
So if it please the king, we suggest that you issue a written decree, a law of the Persians and Medes that cannot be revoked. It should order that Queen Vashti be forever banished from the presence of King Xerxes, and that the king should choose another queen more worthy than she. When this decree is published throughout the king's vast empire, husbands everywhere, whatever their rank, will receive proper respect from their wives. The king and his nobles thought that this made good sense, so he followed Menachem's counsel. He sent letters to all parts of the empire, to each province in his own script and language, proclaiming that every man should be the ruler of his own home and should say whatever he pleases. But after Xerxes' anger had subsided, he began thinking about Vashti and what she had done and the decree that he had made. So his personal attendant suggested, let us search the empire to find beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint agents in each province to bring these beautiful young women into the royal harem at the fortress of Susa. Hegel, the king's eunuch in charge of the harem, will see that they are all given beauty treatments. After that, the young woman who young woman who most pleases the king will be made queen instead of Ashti. This advice seemed very appealing to the king, and so he put the plan into effect. At that time, there was a Jewish man in the fortress of Susa whose name was Mordecai, son of Jair. He was from the tribe of Benjamin and was a descendant of Kish and Shimei. His family had been among those who, with King Jehoiakim of Judah, had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This man had a very beautiful and lovely cousin, Hadassah, who was also called Esther. When her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. As a result of the king's decree, Esther, along with many other women who was brought to the king's harem at the fortress of Susa and placed in Haggai's care. Haggai was impressed with Esther and treated her kindly. He quickly ordered a special menu for her and provided her with beauty treatments. He also assigned her seven maids, specifically chosen, from the king's palace and moved her and her maids into the best place in the harem. Esther had not told anyone of her nationality and family background because Mordecai had directed her not to do so. Every day, Mordecai would take a walk near the courtyard of the harem to find out about Esther and what was happening to her. Before each young woman was taken to the king's bed, she was given the prescribed 12 months of beauty treatments, six months uh, with oil of myrrh, followed by six months with special perfumes and ointments. When it was time for her to go to the king's palace, she was given her choice of whatever clothing or jewelry she wanted to take from the harem. That evening, she was taken to the king's private rooms, and the next morning, she was brought to the second harem, where the king's wives lived. There, she would be under the care of Shekhash, the king's eunuch, in charge of the concubines. She would never go to the king again unless he had especially enjoyed her and requested her by name. 
Esther, who was the daughter of Ahiaphal, who was Mordecai's uncle, Mordecai had adopted his younger cousin Esther. When it was Esther's turn to go to the king, she accepted the advice of Haggai, the eunuch in charge of the harem. She asked for nothing except what he suggested, and she was admired by everyone who saw her. Esther was taken to King Xerxes at the royal palace in the early winter of the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther more than any of the other women. So he was, he was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. To celebrate the occasion, he gave a great banquet in Esther's honor for all of his nobles and officials, declaring a public holiday for the provinces and giving generous gifts to everyone. Even after all the young women had been transferred to the second harem and Mordecai had become a palace official, Esther continued to keep her family, background, and nationality a secret. She was still following Mordecai's directions, just as she did when she lived in his home. One day, Mordecai was on duty at the king's gate. Two of the king's eunuchs, Bigatha and Teresh, were, who were guards at the door of the king's private quarters, became angry at King Xerxes and plotted to assassinate him. But Mordecai heard about the plot and gave the information to Queen Esther. She then told the king about it and gave Mordecai credit for the report. When an investigation was made and Mordecai's story was found to be true, the two men were impaled on a sharpened pole. This was all recorded in the book of the history of King Xerxes' reign. Sometime later, King Xerxes promoted Haman, son of Abathatha, the Agabite, over all the other nobles, making him the most powerful official in the empire. All the king's officials would bow down to Haman to show him respect whenever he passed by, So, for so the king had commanded. But Mordecai refused to bow down or show him respect. Then the palace officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, Why are you disobeying the king's command? They spoke to him day after day, but still he refused to comply with the order, so they spoke to Haman about about this to see if he would tolerate Mordecai's conduct, since Mordecai had told them he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. He had learned of Mordecai's nationality, so he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. So in the month of April, during the twelfth year of King Xerxes' reign, lots were cast in Haman's presence. The lots were called Purim. To determine the best day and month to take action, and the day selected was March the 7th, nearly a year later. Then Haman approached King Xerxes and said, There is a certain 
race of people scattered through all the provinces of your empire who keep themselves separate from everyone else. Their laws are different from those of any other people, and they refuse to obey the laws of the king. So it is not in the king's interest to let them live. If it please the king, issue a decree that they be destroyed. And I will give 10,000 large sacks of silver to the government administrators to be deposited in the royal treasury. The king agreed, confirming his decision by removing his signet ring from his finger and giving it to Haman, son of Abamatha the Agbite, the enemy of the Jews. The king said, The money and the people are both yours to do with as you see fit. So on April 17th, the king's secretaries were summoned, and a decree was written exactly as Haman dictated. It was sent out to the king's highest officers, the governors of the of the respective provinces, and the nobles of each province in their own scripts and languages. The decree was written in the name of King Xerxes and sealed with the king's signet ring. Dispatches were sent by swift messengers into all the provinces of the empire, giving the order that all Jews, young and old, including women and children, must be killed, slaughtered, and annihilated on a single day. This was scheduled to happen on March 7th of the next year. The property of the Jews would be given to those who killed them. A copy of this decree was issued as law in every province and proclaimed to all peoples so that they would be ready to do their duty on the appointed day. At the king's command, the decree went out by swift messengers, and it was also proclaimed in the fortress of Susa. Then the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa fell into confusion." When Mordecai learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and went out into the city, crying with a loud and bitter wail. He went as far as the gate of the palace, for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning. And as news of the king's decree reached all the provinces, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept, and wailed. And many people lay in burlap and ashes. When, the queen, when queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. She sent clothing to help to replace she sent clothing to him to help to replace the burlap, but he refused it. Then Esther sent for Hekatha, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed as her attendant. She ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was in mourning. So Hekatha went out to Mordecai in the square in front of the palace gate. Mordecai told him the whole story including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai gave Hakath a copy of the decree issued in Susa 
and called for the that called for the death of all the Jews. He asked Hakath to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked Hakath to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hakath returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hakath to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for thirty days. So Hakath gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at this time, at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows? if perhaps you are made queen for just such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king if I die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. On the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and entered the inner court of the palace, just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out her gold, out, held out the gold scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. Then the king asked her, "What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give to it to you, even if it is half the kingdom." And Esther replied, If it please the king, let the king and Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for the king. The king turned to his attendants and said, Tell Haman to come quickly to a banquet, So Esther, as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to Esther's banquet. And while they were drinking wine, the king said to Esther, Now tell me what you really want. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half of the kingdom. Esther replied, This is my request and deepest wish. If I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request and do what I ask, please come with Haman tomorrow to a banquet I will prepare for you. Then I will explain what this is all about. Haman was happy, was a happy man, as he left the banquet. But when he saw Mordecai sitting at the palace gate, not standing up or trembling nervously before him, Haman became furious. However, he restrained himself and went on home. 
Then Haman gathered together his friends and Jerish, his wife, and boasted to them about his great wealth and his many children. He bragged about the honors the king had given him and how he had been promoted over all the other nobles and officials. Then Haman added, and that's not all. Queen Esther invited only me and the king himself to the banquet she prepared for us. And she has invited me to dine with her and the king again tomorrow. Then he added, But this is all worth nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew just sitting there at the palace gate. So Haman's wife Jeish and and all his friends suggested, Set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall, and in the morning ask the king to impale Mordecai on it. When this is done... You can go on your merry way to the banquet with the king. This pleased Haman, and he ordered the pole set up. There are several things in today's reading that should disturb us. The first thing that is quite obvious is the treatment of women in this text. We cannot just say, well, it's in the Bible, so that's the way we should treat women. Obviously, that's not the case. These are fallen, sinful creatures doing fallen, sinful things. And so we can see that in God's Word to see how depraved the human mind can sometimes behave. As we ended chapter 5 today, we leave it on a cliffhanger of what is to come. It looks like that all the Jews are going to die, and it certainly looks like Mordecai was going to be impaled upon a sharpened pole. Things look pretty pretty dire in in these words that we have read today. And it would be easy for us to look at what Mordecai says to Esther. And Esther is refusing to, to go to the king. She is concerned about her, about her own life. But Mordecai says these very famous words. Who knows if perhaps you are made queen for such a time as this. Is it possible that God had brought her into this position for just this time? And her response is, If I must die, I must die. She would go and talk to the king. Now in our reading we saw that we see that everything worked out for Esther, that he was pleased to see her, and that everything at that moment seemed just fine. And yet it took much bravery to go to the king. But notice that they fasted. We'll complete the rest of the story tomorrow. But for now, let's think about that that mindset. That who knows, maybe we are at this time in this place doing these things, serving the Lord for just a time as this. What does God have in store for us for such this time? May we be ready. May we say, whatever comes will come. We will do what the Lord needs us to do.
Thank you again for joining us for the journey. Please be sure to share this podcast. Today's reading was from the New Living Translation of the Holy Bible and used with permission. Have a blessed day, and we hope that you'll join us again tomorrow.